Hello and welcome to Handelsmaker Insights. I'm James Sproul, Chief Economist here at Handelsmaker in the UK. On this week's economic update, we're going to be changing things around a little bit and I'm going to be asking the questions and my deputy, Danny Marnie, is going to be giving some of the answers. So this week, what are we going to look at? First of all, of course, we've had the GDP numbers coming through, uh, giving us a little bit more certainty as to what's been happening in the recent past and, of course, then casting our minds forward as to what might be happening over the rest of the year. Also going to be looking at inflation and the base effect. That is the way in which uh, we are looking for inflation to be falling away for part of this year. Seems a reasonable certainty, but how much? That's something we'll talk about. And then, of course, property, because we're always interested in property, both housing and commercial property. And so we'll touch upon that as well. So first of all, let's start off with looking at those GDP figures. They were a bit choppy. No real signs of that choppiness easing. But Daniel, tell us, what do you think is going on here? Indeed, yes, they've been choppy for quite some time, actually. If you go back a year, it's really been up and down. We had February's figure come out last week. Some encouraging signs. There were some quite strong readings from the construction sector, but um, services growth was pretty lacklustre. That's obviously the majority of our economy. So we actually had 0% growth. And the thing that really dragged down on services GDP in February was actually the education sector. And of course, that was influenced by the strikes. Had there not been industrial action, we probably would have seen a minorly positive figure. But on the positive, I think what it suggests is that the quarterly figure, so that's for Q1, is probably going to outperform what the OBR uh, previously projected. So the OBR thought there'd be minus 0.4%, but we saw a positive reading in January, a flat reading in February. And as I say, that would suggest that the OBR has been slightly too pessimistic, at least in the short term growth prospects. So that pessimism often seems to be the way that uh, people do look at the UK. I know you and I often look at, uh, for instance, analysts' expectations and what happens in reality in the UK as, a, as an economy tends to, to outperform that pretty consistently. Um, one of the key things here, of course, is going to be investment and um, looking ahead into what we expect out of the rest of this year. If we can get business to invest, things could look good. But is that likely to happen or not? Well, we'll see. But if we look at Q4's figure, for example, which is the latest figure, sadly, that actually flatlined uh, business investment. Initially, when the first provisional reading came out, it looked like there was quite a surge in business investment of nearly 5%. But then when the revised figure came out, it looked as though there's been no increase at all. Now, the big change, obviously, is that from April, the super deduction, which allows business, allowed businesses to invest and offset their tax, has been replaced by these capital allowances. Now, the crucial thing there to emphasise is that the capital allowances are not as generous. So I think that could have a dampening effect on business investment going forward. Obviously, we have the increase in corporation tax as well, which probably won't help uh, with business investment. So I think in terms of the driver of growth this year, business investment is unlikely to be that source. And I think that's you know, why I know we're obviously going through a forecasting uh, review at the moment, but why we're going to expect that growth will flatline rather than anything more heroic this year. Great. Well, uh, so not necessarily brilliant news on that, but let's turn to something that is looking a little bit more positive, and that's uh, inflation. And I think you and I have talked about many times before, it's the base effect, uh, which is, of course, inflation is itself a measure of today's prices against the prices of a year ago. And a year ago, um, now, when we look back a year, of course, we're looking to the same, i.e. it's, it's a post-Russian invasion of the Ukraine against a post-Russian invasion of Ukraine. So it's, it's uh, apples against apples as opposed to apples against oranges pre, pre, pre-invasion. So um, what's been happening on that base effect? So yeah, as you say, the base effect hasn't really kicked in yet. It will probably kick in 
quite quite majorly in April, and that's because of what's happening with energy prices. So I'll just go through how this is going to affect the year-on-year -year figures. So the most widely quoted measure of CPI is the year-on-year, -year, so that compares uh, the month this year to the, the month last year, basically. And obviously we have an energy price guarantee at the moment that fixes unit prices for energy, and that won't change in April. But in terms of the way the inflation figures are calculated, the figure that it's compared to is changing quite dramatically because of the way Ofgem changes its price cap. So April's figure will be, in terms of the way that these things are calculated for typical households, that'll be compared to £2,000, whereas March's figure is compared to about £1,400. So as I say, even though the absolute level is staying the same, it's been compared to very different data points. And the percentage increase for April 23 versus April 22 is much less than March uh, 23 to March 22. And as a result, inflation comes down, despite, as I say, energy prices remaining the same. So that base effect will come in quite strongly in April. And you will see various base effects, not just with energy, but with other items like food, for example, that will kick in during the uh, during the rest of the year. So I think that will help uh, probably reduced inflation by around half, just simply that base effect. So that's very good on energy, but what about the rest of the sort of the, the, the other costs that we've all got to, whether it be core goods or whether it be food? Um, I, I know petrol prices have fallen, but that's not that big a portion of the, the total inflation figure, figure. What's likely to be happening on the rest of that? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you look at what makes up inflation at the moment, it's broadly split as follows. So about 30% of it is energy. 20% uh, core goods, 20% food and 30% services. So I think other than the services bit, everything's looking quite encouraging. So let's take the core goods, for example, that 20% of the inflation. Obviously, shipping costs have come down. That's something you've discussed in depth previously. Supply chain disruptions down and that will all feed into lowering core goods inflation towards the end of the year. And similarly with food, we are obviously experiencing very high food prices at the moment, but a combination of both the base effect and the fact that world food prices are easing off a bit, that will show up in inflation figures as we go forward. As I say, it's that services bit, so around a, just under a third of the inflation, that's going to be the bit that's difficult to get rid of because that's obviously very influenced by wage costs. And that's a very big unknown, what's going to happen over the next year. Right. So our forecast has been um, that we are expecting inflation to fall away a lot over the course of this year, but not to fall down to the Bank of England's target rate quite as quickly as the bank and others have been expecting. So I think we'll be, uh, we'll be reviewing that as part of our broader review of the economic outlook. But at the moment, I think that still needs to be uh, likely to be an issue going forward from here. Let's round up uh, by looking at property prices and both commercial and house prices. Um, but let's let's kick off firstly with commercial property and what's been going on there, because I know you've been doing some digging into the data here and have had uh, some, some uh, interesting insights. Yes, and of course, this is something we've been working on uh, for a little while. So in the, in the UK, in the last six months of last year, there were quite significant corrections across all the asset classes. So if you take an average across the UK, so retail and office capital values have gone down by about 15%. In industrial, it's been even more, about 25%. Now, obviously, those sorts of questions are quite large. But I think the first thing to emphasise is that the banks have been stress tested for much bigger assumptions of falls. So I think the most recent stress test, for example, on the commercial property side, assumed 45% fall. So we're nothing like there yet. And the other thing to emphasise is that January and February's data has come out and that suggests that the correction has been bottoming out. Now, hopefully that will continue. 
It's a bit of an unknown because obviously in March we had the banking turmoil that could feed through into a further correction in the commercial property market. But as I say before that, in January and February, it did seem that that quite severe correction at the end of last year is now bottoming out a bit. So um, in the UK at least, uh, I think that's an encouraging sign. So let's just look quickly at um, what's happening in the UK in terms of on residential property on a regional basis. What, what have we been seeing there? Yeah, so last week we discussed what happened across the board. So if you look at the nationwide index, that suggests just under a 5% peak to trough correction, but there are differences regionally. Now, London has underperformed actually the rest of the country, both during the pandemic and in recent times. And there, I mean, there is a suggestion that we London could underperform again, and that's primarily uh, because it's it's a very mortgaged market. The loan-to-value ratios tend to be higher than the rest of the country, and that means the higher interest rate environment could end up hitting the London market more than other places. In terms of other regions, um, during the pandemic, the North West, for example, did very well. You can actually see that that's correcting quite, um, quite significantly as well. But as I say, I think I think there is a hypothesis, at least, that London could actually face uh, quite challenging times compared to the rest of the country, and as I say, could end up falling more than the average. So what are some of the reasons we think that London might be lagging a bit there? You, you touched upon the, the fact that, of course, it's got a high degree of mortgages, but London's also been pretty expensive for a very long time as well. Is that, that do you think, a key factor? Yes, I think that's right. And I think that's sh- that shows itself in the prime market. So um, prime London property uh, from 2016 actually didn't do particularly well. It saw a, it's seen a bit of a recovery recently, particularly as, the, as there's been a return of executives to the office and also a return of foreign students to London following the pandemic. So you have seen a bit of a increase there. But in absolute terms, uh, London prime property is actually lower than it was in the early part of the 2010s. It, it, it strikes me that one of the things that's happening in London, of course, is that we're, we've got a situation where we've been fully valued here in London for a very, very long time. Uh, and it's, as I always say in, in any chart I'm showing, when you're hitting new highs, it's, it's possible to stretch onwards, but it's always more difficult. And it, it strikes me that that's actually, of course, what we're seeing here in the London property market. Yeah, I think that's right. And if you look at the fundamentals, you know, things like house price to earnings ratios, you can see that overvaluation is is very much in play. And even though we have had a bit of a correction, the fundamentals would suggest that there's more of a correction to come. And I think perhaps even more so in London compared to the rest of the country. Well, thank you, Daniel. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you like what you heard, please do rate us on the app because it allows other people to find us. And of course, we'll be back next week uh, with a uh, full set of new things to look at. Lots of data will be coming out this week as well. So until then, thanks for listening.